You know, politics is the work of the devil. You don't have to believe in the devil to know that politics basically uh, corrupt human interaction almost inevitably. When I was in my 20s, I attended a large church in downtown Minneapolis uh, that was a beautiful Lutheran cathedral, and I enjoyed sitting in the big church and listening to the sermons, and and I didn't pay attention to anything else that was going on um, within the church at the time, uh, and I was able to really concentrate on listening to the Word of God within that space. Had I been involved in the church itself, uh, I would have probably had been distracted by uh, some of the uh, politics that had been going on at the church at the time, and I think it would have interfered with my ability to uh, develop a a meaningful relationship uh, with God in in that setting and and in my personal life. The reason I say this is because... um, the, the business, if you will, of the church, and more specifically, the study of the intellectual fiber that holds this church together, which, of course, is in the Christian church, the Bible itself, but also, academically speaking, the uh, discipline of theology. Uh, Theology has had to grapple, in the 20th century in particular, with politics. And while it's fashionable today, I suppose, to talk about or uh, embrace theologies that sort of accommodate themselves to the way people live today, uh, the most profound theologians of the 20th century... Uh, and in fact, the most profound theologian period of the 20th century uh, utterly rejected that view and came to the conclusion that theology's role is not to accommodate itself to the fashions of the time or the way people live in the present, but instead Uh, The role of theology is to focus in Christian theology exclusively on the study of the Word and the life of Jesus Christ. This theologian was Karl Barth. He was a Swiss Swiss theologian in the Reformed tradition uh, that had a very interesting uh, and uh, courageous life. Um, also was not without controversy, uh, but uh, that's the conclusion that he came to, and this became uh, extremely influential in shaping the thinking of the modern church. Um, another theologian that I've always loved is, is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and both Bart and Bonhoeffer, but even more Bonhoeffer, uh, were part of the what they called the Barman Declaration, which was a 
which was a document, a manifesto, if you will, that rejected the, uh, the what they called the German Christians at the time that were trying to pervert Christian theology with Nazi ideology. In other words, inject politics into uh, the Christian church and uh, and and thereby, uh, you know, render the church itself worthless. So uh, they 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 were authors, uh, co-signers to this the Barman Declaration. They say it was written by Karl Barth himself, but with other, some other people. And they founded what was called the Confessing Church. Uh, the the life of the Confessing Church is a really interesting story. It's a tragic one, but it's also it's it's also courageous. Uh, I think in some ways it's uh, it's a latter day apostle type story in the in the kinds of things that uh, some of the members of the Confessing Church uh, kinds of things that they did. Uh, most of them were were killed off or thrown into prison, um, but it was a stand against, you know, pure evil. The The reason I'm able to just talk about these things, though, is because I, I think back to that experience that I had uh, with this large Lutheran church uh, about 20, 20 or so years ago, and that is that I was removed from the politics of the church. So I didn't know when I was listening to the sermons uh, what you know, what was what was something that I should pay attention to or what was important. So I didn't have any context. And I think it was useful to to listen in that way. And in much the same vein, uh, it's the same way I look at theology. I'm not a theologian. Um, I'm just a humble advertising copywriter uh, that has interests in spiritual matters. And uh, as a result... I'm also one who makes observations based on the way I see things. So I don't know if discussing Karl Barth or Dietrich Bonhoeffer or the theology of crisis uh, or church dogmatics uh, is is still in fashion uh, or or perceived as you know hopelessly out of date uh, because I, I don't know the context, nor do I want to know the context. All I know is that if a uh, individual sat down and wrote over six million words, which is what the magnum opus of Karl Barth called the church dogmatics happens to extend to, uh, and if that individual is somewhat, uh, if not universally recognized as perhaps the leading Christian theologian of the 20th century, uh, then I got to pay attention to it. And, and that's why uh, I think it's important to talk a little bit about what Karl Barth had to say and, and how he approached the, the fundamental question that any human would have if they think about the divine, which is, how do I know what God wants for me? We're already beyond the question here with Karl Barth of questioning whether there's a God or not. So, and and that's, that's a 
completely understandable a question to have. And, uh, you know, you, I'm not here to convince you one way or the other. I'm simply here to talk about how Bart, uh, Bart approached that question. And the thing, the reason why I listen to what he says is because, uh, Bart was thoroughly empirical in his methods, meaning his understanding and the, the spirit that moved him was guided by his own personal experiences uh, as a pastor, which is unusual for uh, you know many theologians. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor as well, and b both of these individuals were obviously brilliant and you know had attended uh, the Harvards, so to speak, of 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 the day. Uh, you know, numerous leading institutions, uh, theologic institutions of the day. And so they had all the academic knowledge that one could want, but it was for both of them when they began to work as pastors that they encountered uh, the what might be considered the word in practice. And both of them came to realize that much of what they'd learned uh, theoretically, uh, could not be applied to the everyday challenges that human beings faced. Uh, and specifically, this is, you know, how this could be adapted to uh, a very lower middle class type of uh, uh, pastorship that both of these men had. I keep kind of conflating Bart with Bonhoeffer, and I probably shouldn't do that, but they did have some similar experiences. But in Bart's case, he he started his theologic career, so to speak, as a pastor. And when he did that, that's when he realized that some of the things that he thought were important, uh, he started to change his thinking. Uh, and specifically, the position that he came to was that for somebody to approach theology and the study of the Word of God in particular in a secular way, in a way that that sort of superimposes the importance of the human experience on top of the question, that that's the wrong way to do it. Because humans are not God. They never will be, and moreover, God will only reveal himself to human beings at the moment and the time of his choosing. In this instance, of course, Bart refers to God uh, in the, uh, with the male attributes. And frankly, I don't care you call it he, she, whatever. Uh, but, the, but, but, but that kind of was his, not kind of, that was his premise. Um, and so, you know, you might say that if you accepted that, that would leave you in a position where, you know, it's not going to make you feel very good. It's not going to give you any guidance for your own life. But the fact is, actually, I think that stripping out uh, the, the kind of secular human political uh, perspective 
from your ability to understand, you know, what God might be speaking about or saying is is really the most valid way, the truest way to approach what God may want for your life. Now, what is very challenging here is that Karl Barth came to the position that the only time that God has revealed himself to the world, uh, as far as having a conversation with the world, is through the person of Jesus Christ himself. And so the only way one can come to know God is through Jesus Christ. So you really thoroughly have to understand and focus on the New Testament to be able to divine, if you can, what God wants for your life. The only other way that you can uh, at least appreciate God without understanding what he wants for you is, is to simply enjoy the beauty of life itself, uh, the, the beauty of a spring, spring morning, um, you know, have a sense for the things that seem right around you. And, uh, you know, like Bart says, if you want to have proof of the existence of God, look around you. Now, I understand that that, that assertion alone may seem hopelessly antiquated uh, when you think of all the horrors that have been visited upon the world and, and continue to be visited upon the world. But it, it really is something I can't speak to here. I don't have the capacity to, to answer that question. But what I do know is that Bart was indeed right about how to approach an understanding of God. And that that's concludes this mini-sermon for today. And I'm Chris Burt with Groovy Man Ministries, and if I've scared you off after this, I understand. But I hope I haven't. And we'll get into easier topics next time. Thank you.